Hey everybody, it's Joe Trippy, and welcome back to That Trippy Show. Hope everyone had a great holiday, a Merry Christmas, and a Happy New Year. This week, we're back at it. Can you believe it? It's been a year since the Capitol insurrection. Alex? Can you still believe there was a Capitol yes, insurrection? Yes. I mean, like, it's still kind of... Well, it certainly wasn't a riot, dude, which the press keeps calling it. It was an insurrection, right. an attempted coup, a failed attempted coup. There's a whole bunch of things you could call it, but it wasn't, wasn't a riot. In any case, we also have some good news to get to for Democrats on the redistricting front and more. Alex, where do we start? Well, we're recording this on January 6th. Uh, Joe Biden wrapped his speech a few minutes ago, so we should probably start there. Uh, Obviously, today is the one-year anniversary when the the mob stormed the Capitol. Trump's mob stormed the Capitol, we should make clear. Killed a police officer, shouted, hang Mike Pence. The list goes on. Obviously, we know so much more about it now, the lead-up, the planning, who is involved. But, Joe, first, just wanted your reaction uh, to to Biden's speech. Well, you know, uh, the first thing I want to— point out is Merrick Garland gave a speech yesterday. A lot of people disappointed, you know, with how, how you know, whether it was strong enough, whether it looked like uh, uh, he was actually, you know, doing the investigation that we all hope he's doing. And one notable quote, though, from him, the actions we've taken thus far will not be our last, uh, which does make you, you know, hope uh, uh, that they're pursuing justice by going to not just the 700 or so that insurrectionists they've um, charged so far, I think, uh, but also going above that to the couponers uh, as high up as, as they can to the, the, the insider in chief, uh, Trump. But um, in any case, so there was that. But I, I think that quote, then when you see what Joe Biden did today as president, I think was the best speech he's given maybe ever. And for those of you who missed it, I just want to go through some pretty important quotes. Uh, he said that uh, Trump Republicans have decided that the only way for them to win is to suppress your vote and subver- subvert an election. That this isn't about being bogged down in the past. This is about making sure that the past isn't buried. That's the only way forward. That's what great nations do. They don't bury the truth. They face up to it. He also talked more about the fight anew uh, that's being engaged between democracy and autocracy and, you know, really referring to China and Russia here. They're betting, uh, they're betting America will become more like them and less like us, which I think is a real important point that he made. And you can't love your country only when you win. You can't obey the, the law only when it's convenient. You can't be patriotic when you embrace and enable lies. We have to be firm, resolute, unyielding in our defense of the right to vote and the right of that vote to be counted. We are in a battle for the soul of America. I think that's a speech, a a rallying cry to democracy that a lot of us were waiting for. I know that uh, me and uh, a lot of others and uh, uh, my my uh, brothers at the and sisters at the Lincoln Project have been making that kind of uh, rally cry for the better part of the year, as many others uh, uh, ha- have done. Uh, Midas Touch and other uh, other uh, folks out there uh, that are that have, have been making that cry, but to hear it from the president and to and to basically take Trump head on as a liar. 
which is one of the, 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 the I think, the more historical <laughs> points in the speech. It's the first time, I think, that a sitting president of the United States has called his predecessor out um, in the way that Joe Biden did and went to task to, to expose the lie and call it a lie. Well, and the fact that Joe Biden did it, this is Joe Biden who never yeah, does stuff who, like that. Well, well, that actually gets back to, um, you know, he, he could have given this speech a year ago, but a year ago, Joe Biden was talking about working across party lines, calming down this this divide. Uh, so was I, by the way. Uh, uh, I mean, I think a lot of us who who wanted to believe uh, that we could get back to two parties working together. You know, that there were, particularly after McCarthy and McConnell, both on January 6th, called out Trump. Maybe there was a chance, uh, but that was gone like in 48 hours. Plus, yeah. Uh, it, yeah, no, and that's what, actually, it was that moment that made me decide to join the Lincoln Project. I mean, that, 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 that this wasn't, I mean, that this was the fight for the soul of the nation, um, that there weren't two parties anymore, that this wasn't a fight between Republicans and Democrats or right um, and left. Um, the, and that the, the, the petty fights that have been, I think, petty fights that have been going on in the Democratic Party fighting each other when we, we need to be unified against the real threat here. And the real threat is the anti-democratic authoritarian movement that's trying to destroy our democracy and a pro-democracy coalition that has to be broad-based uh, it has to include as many Americans uh, from as many walks of life as we can and ideologies and think, beliefs. As long as your belief is that we, that we can fight each other over these policies and, and, and have that debate and discussion in a democracy, that that's the best way forward. If that's your belief, get, you know, get on board. And I think today the president finally gave voice to that. You know, E.J. Dionne um, uh, said that this was the most forceful, passionate speech Biden's delivered as president. And he's putting democracy itself at the center of the debate, condemning Trump in unyielding language and calling out Republicans who support Trump's lies. You know who's been doing that for, for from the get-go? A lot of us have, uh, including, you know, Rick Wilson, Reed Galen, uh, Stuart Stevens, myself, I, I, the Midas touch. I mean, uh, there is a, and I think this is going to make that movement grow. Uh, uh, with the president doing this, uh, uh, I think a lot of these, this pro-democracy movement, he's put democracy at the center of the debate. That's what we've been calling for, that, to put democracy at the center of the debate. I, of the debate. If that's, if we go into the 2022 election, and this is about, do you want democracy or do you want an authoritarian, dictatorial, fascist kind of yeah, government? Yeah, we should call it fascist more. Yeah, yeah. but that's but if you want, the, this is a choice. The anti-democratic forces that want to destroy democracy or pro-democracy forces across party lines, across ideology, coming together. That's why I joined the Lincoln Project. They were a bunch of former Republicans. I was a Democrat. Let's come together. Let's fight this thing. And it is a battle for the soul of America. And I think Biden putting it there front and center, something we've been calling for to, and saying we needed to do for, for, a, for the better part of the last year, um, I think is significant. It's going to be very helpful to grow the movement 
the, the pro-democracy side of this and get the country to go into this election understanding that's the stakes. These are the stakes, not whether there's marginal tax rates or whatever the outrage machine is generated uh, for the crazies tomorrow. Yep. Uh, which they're going to keep doing. Well, it, it sounds like Joe Biden's in, I, like like E.J. Uh, Dion said, forceful, passionate. He closed his speech saying, I will stand in this breach. I will defend this nation. I will allow no one to place a dagger at the throat of democracy, which, again, coming from Joe Biden, and, that is powerful, right? Well, it, it's that's the same pledge that every single American should take, that, you know, I will stand in the way of that dagger. And uh, I have, I know everybody who's listening believes that too. And we've, we, we now need to grow it. And I keep saying this every time I'm on the, the podcast, but find one more friend, find one more coworker, one more neighbor to listen to this or something else uh, to join the movement. You know, there's plenty of groups, the Lincoln Project, Midas Touch. Uh, uh, and now there's a, a, a group of former uh, Trump officials, I think uh, uh, something like 15 to 16 of them in the administration that are forming, I think they're holding their first uh, summit meeting in, in a week or so to come out publicly as part, I think, of the pro, pro-democracy coalition to stop Trump and the authoritarian movement within the Republican Party. And, and by the way, it's unfair even to say it's an authoritarian movement within the Republican Party. Right now it is it, it, it is, is the party. There There's, is no republic. The, the Republican Party's dead. It's just nothing but an authoritarian movement right now. So, Joe, to that point, I, I would argue that we're today versus a year ago, we're actually in a lot worse shape, right? Uh, I don't see that as all, at all. Uh, uh, I mean, I think, look. Uh, th- there's a lot of despair out there, you know, the historical, you know, thing about, um, uh, you know, l- losing the House in the first midterm uh, uh, of a presidency, uh, all these things that are sort of like made a lot of Washington uh, committees sort of almost like act like they're thrown in the towel, um, which I just think one is insane. The stakes are too high. But, but frankly, there's three or four things that are happening out there that are pretty clear to me give us a real, a real shot at, at breaking that historic uh, precedent. Uh, first of all, it's been broken two or three times, but I think it, it can happen again. I think it's sort of looking like it, 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 it's headed that way. The first is redistricting. I mean, uh, David Wasserman... Uh, you know, and a lot of the people who were looking at redistricting were talking about how, you know, just because the Republicans controlled so many legislatures that they were going to be able to have create 10 new uh, Republican seats. In fact, if you listen to our podcast back then, you know, a, a year ago when these first estimates came, came out, I was I was one of the people saying, oh, my God, we're we're starting behind here by 10 seats before we even get a vote cast. Democrats have been doing, well, two things have happened. One, Democrats have done an exceptionally good good job in redistricting fights. And the other thing that's going on is it turns out those legislatures that the Republicans held had already drawn such partisan lines that they're having difficulty creating. <laughs> hey, wait, how can we create? Right. We it's already, already created. They've already, already gotten the juice yeah, out. Yeah. Yeah. We, we've already juiced the, the, this state. How can we juice more? It turns out uh, you know, that right now redistricting could look like plus four Democrat nationwide 
Um, right now, the way it's coming out, there's four, Biden would have won four more districts than he carried. Uh, and it could get as high as six, was supposed to go the other way, minus 10. So one, redistricting is not turning out uh, it, uh, so far with about 35 uh, states already having their, their districts in, not turning out to be a plus, uh, a plus for Republicans. Uh, two, look, we know millions of more voters voted for Joe Biden and Democrats in 2020. Mill and we know every single one of those people. What you know that we the, the, the data is there to know who voted uh, in what districts. This is midterms are turnout elections. That's why we have to build this pro-democracy coalition from the ground up to fight on the ground and make sure those people vote. And we know who they are. We I think we have a bet that we have far bigger voter pool to pull from than the Republicans do. And Joe and uh, uh, Donald Trump will not be on the ballot. So I think turnout differential can benefit us. Third, people like Herschel Walker and the other Trump crazies that Trump's uh, endorsing, supporting, uh, make a lot of these races. I, I think they're just going to nominate a and they're going to have crazy nomination fights. You see this happening in Ohio uh, and Pennsylvania uh, and other places. Yeah. Yeah, Pennsylvania. And we're going to we're going to, you know, I, I mean, I think Warnock had an uphill f fight um, to to uh, win, you know, in his first general election um, midterm because he won the special. That's always tough to do to to make that that jump. But I think Herschel Walker being the nominee, if that's what happens on the other side, makes the Warnock campaign, you know, much more attainable and winnable. Uh, and I think we will win it. Uh, and I think that's going to happen in several, several states and in several congressional districts, uh, because that's who controls their party and that's who they're going to nominate. And then on top of that, that would be wouldn't be so great if we were nominating uh, from the pro-democracy side, people who are, you know, on the fringe or or out there, that's not happening. Uh, Democrats are really putting together. Yeah, you look a pretty, at Tim Ryan, Connor Lamb. I mean, yeah. all these nominees—they are not—they're—they're yeah. they're squarely well, no, even, in the middle. Even in even in Pennsylvania, if you where where we may have the uh, the kind of traditional moderate Democrat versus uh, you know progressive uh, primary fight. Um, there's very few of those going on this year so far. That may be one, but I think it's clear that the Democratic Party, I think, is going to unify behind whoever gets wins those nomination fights. Not so clear if a Trump uh, endorsed candidate doesn't get the nomination. Uh, what you know, we, we've seen what happens when when that happens. The, the you know the the, the uh, non-Trump endorsed candidate who somehow gets the nomination loses the general. And b by the way, vice versa. Um, you know, so I think their primary fights are going to be crazier, more vicious. Uh, and, and by the way, their, their candidates are going to say things that the rest of them are going to have to pay for, much like what happened uh, when the Tea Party lost a bunch of Senate seats for the Republicans, they would have got, gained them the majority um, when you know, Aiken and uh, uh, others out there uh, just, you know, 
gaffed and gaffed, and not gaffed, but just said incredibly ugly stuff that that the rest of the party had to like walk away from. It didn't it didn't work. They lost a, a bunch of seats. I think that's going to happen. And like I said, I think the Democrats were the recruiting, the kind of races that are shaping up, uh, particularly in these House races. Um, lots of veterans are running. I mean, I just think there's a real uh, the, those four factors make this not as uphill as people thought, as at least. Well, I still think there's a lot of people who think it's uphill. I think it's uphill, but I think we're going to we have if we can build the coalition, the broad based coalition, pro-democracy, make this um, about democracy versus an autocratic authoritarian movement, uh, have them uh, nominate crazy, outspoken, you know, noise creators who just, you know, create whatever noise to get attention while we have real uh, uh, solid candidates. I think we're going to take the, 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 the keep the House and we may gain seats in the Senate. I, I know that sounds like, you know, uh, raising eyebrows. Yeah. Well, you heard it here on January 6th. Well, it'll be January 7th when you hear this. But January 7th, uh, 2022. Uh, and by the way, way back when in 2016 or, so, or whatever, way back before Joe Biden ever even got in the race, when everybody said the high point of his candidacy would be the day he would go get, get in and then he'd, he'd drop after that. Uh, I was one of the few people out there who was saying like, that's crazy bullshit. This guy's going to be the nominee and stayed with it the entire way. So I just think we're going to, I think we're going to take it. Oh man. Well, before we get into kind of the, the one big looming question of all this positivity, I do want to highlight some of what's been going on in redistricting. The interesting thing, Joe, was that Republicans in the states where they had a chance to, to knock out a few Democratic seats like Texas, maybe even Indiana, Missouri, they didn't really do it. They kind of shored up their own people and, and, and packed it in. There was not that big net gain that people were projecting. And then even in some of the states where where they are making big swings, all of them are in court right now. So if you look at Georgia, North Carolina, yeah. Ohio, those those could go either way. So so it remains to right. be seen. But but yeah, it all, could get all, even better for for Democrats than it is right now because of some of those court cases were or it's about where it is. Right. So the question that I, I've seen bubbling right now is. Does any of this redistricting stuff really matter with Joe Biden's approval rating where it is? How do we climb out of this hole? Well, that, that's been, uh, I, I've been saying this from the get-go. Uh, the, the, the Biden presidency has to be a successful presidency. Um, you have to, it, it has to succeed. I mean, there is no, this goes to, you know, the, when people talk about who's going to run for, for president in 2024, if he doesn't doesn't run, you, you know, is it going to be Kamala? Is it going to be this? Look, it won't matter if it's not a successful presidency. It doesn't matter who we nominate in 2024. They're going to get crushed, right? So um, the whole thing here is, uh, can his uh, approval ratings improve uh, between now and November 2022? You know, you know, and uh, and yes, they need to. But there are a bunch of factors um, that can play into that. Uh, first of all, the 
the you know the economy is roaring. I mean, you, the, the the jobs numbers are just off the charts, incredible. Uh, yes, people are quitting their jobs because they can find a better job. So everybody keeps pointing. Well, four million people quit their jobs. Yeah, why? Not because not because they're unemployed, but because as look at the job growth, they're they're getting better jobs. Um, which, you know, that's happening because this economy is really moving. That's how, that's what happens in an economy that's, that's just, you know, growing off the charts. So that, that, that can absolutely change. But the other thing uh, that people forget about uh, when you're looking at all these, you know, the, the, the approval numbers and things like that, it's not, that's like, hey, what, what, what kind of job is, you know, Candidate X doing. Um, it's not how do you compare candidate X with candidate Y? In other words, Biden versus somebody, right? Or the congressional candidate versus somebody, uh, Tim Ryan versus JD Vance. Uh, that's going to matter more than anything. The higher Biden's approval ratings are, the easier it is to, to get by uh, the opposition uh, in whether Pennsylvania, Ohio, uh, Texas or wherever. Obviously, you look, Alabama is a great example. It wouldn't matter what Joe Biden's approval ratings were, are there. You know, it, it, there's a difference uh, between an off year, which I'd point out again, uh, the, you know, we, we won in 2017 in an off year. We lost in a presidential turnout year when all those Republicans in Alabama came out with, with Doug Jones. So what I'm saying, this is a turnout election. Um, in which we have technology and data to, to know who we need to turn out with millions more on our list than they have. So there's all these other mitigating factors. Certainly, Biden's approval rating, the higher it is, the better. The other thing I think, though, is that, you know, we're in such a polarized uh, electorate right now that I don't think Biden's it, the sort of where, you know, the the his ceiling and it wouldn't matter who who the president was or what party they were in um you know tr trump's ceiling and basement you know on approval was a was a pretty small margin you know never really got over 50 never you know would get down in the low 40s high 30s same here i think that's going to be the case for presidents for you know till we get out of this polarized and we may never get out of it but i, I hope we will um I think there's a really thin band for Biden's approval to, to move. I mean, 90% of Republicans are going to say he sucks, right? And that's just going to be the way it is. So it's a lot of the, um, the, the movement down on approval is Democrats and independents, some of them disappointed he hasn't, maybe he does, we haven't done anything about voting rights or other things. Um, I think he's going to take some of that on, right? And so I, I, and also the other thing when that happens is it doesn't really matter. I mean, whether he does things or not, when the prospect of the election in September, October starts hitting, a lot of those people come back because of what this is about, democracy versus autocracy. So I, I, I'm just not as worried at all uh, about his approval ratings. I think they're going to, they're going to creep up from here. Um, probably to the high end of his, you know, you know, that, that, that band, um, it's a narrow band. It was a narrow band for Trump. I think going forward, uh, 
because of the, the, the tribalism that's out there, um, it's going to be hard for anybody to break out of those narrow bands. Um, and I think, and I do think in the end, it's going to come down to Tim Ryan versus who? Herschel Walker versus Warnock. And I, in that fight, I'm not sure Joe Biden's approval matters as much. Joe, on, on that positive note, that's just about all the time we have today. Really? Because I wanted to bring up um, uh, an op-ed that Jimmy Carter wrote uh, today uh, in the Times. I fear for our democracy. He had, look, this guy has experience on free and fair elections around the globe. Certainly not an alarmist. His quote, our nation now teeters on the brink of a widening abyss. Without immediate action, we are at genuine risk of civil conflict and losing our precious democracy. I'm going to make sure that's in our that piece is in our show notes. But that's really why the, my call to all of you to to help us grow the pro democracy coalition um, is so important. So I hope uh, that you'll ask one friend, one neighbor, one coworker to get involved in this. Uh, maybe get them to start listening to the podcast. Uh, and so that we can, uh, and, and or get them to join a group like the Lincoln Project or Midas Touch and several of them out there uh, uh, in, in several states. But uh, I really hope you'll do that. And I wanna thank you all for listening. Um, thanks for listening to that trippy show. Over the next few weeks, we'll tell you how you can get involved and join the Pro-Democracy Coalition, how you can take action to help. We also have some guests on to preview their, we also have some guests to preview their work for 2022 coming on. Don't forget, please subscribe to that trippy show and leave a review on Apple or whatever wherever you listen. And please do share this with a friend. You can always send us a question to that trippy show at gmail.com or leave us a question in, in a review on iTunes. See you next week. <laughs>